a chance for Mule and Burroughs. They score! And the Mules score! Scores! Three in a row for the Mules! Duke has to put it up at the buzzer! It's good! And the Mules win it! Coming to you from Allentown, Pennsylvania, welcome to the Mule and Mules podcast. Each episode, we'll talk to the coaches, staff, athletes, and alumni who make up the Muhlenberg Athletics family and are proud to call themselves Mules. And our guest this week is Jason Brader. Jason is a 1999 graduate of Muhlenberg College and, despite playing only two seasons, is the fifth all-time leading rusher in the history of the Mule football program. Jason owned a sports performance center in the area for 17 years and is currently Director of Sports Performance at Albright College. He's also a motivational speaker and an author. So uh, we're talking about your book, uh, Why Not Me? An A to Z memoir and self-help guide for overcoming adversity, addiction, and relentlessly pursuing life goals. And in the acknowledgments in your book, pretty much the first thing, uh, actually there's a disclaimer. So the second thing someone would see in your book is the sentence, I've had an unbelievable life filled with so many ups and downs. So just just very briefly, maybe just talk about, you know, your life, how you've gotten to the, the point where you are now and, and maybe some of those ups and downs along the way. Yeah. So just some background. I'm from Bethlehem. So when I was a young kid growing up there on the west side of town, my family and I didn't have much. Uh, my father was an eighth grade dropout. My mom went to 12th grade and that stuff. And uh, we, we lived a very humble uh, life. And my father was older. My mom was two. They actually, my father had me, he was 58 and my mother was 44, I think. So she's my age now. And that's a tough time to have kids. Uh, To kind of fast forward, I I got involved with sports and that stuff. And sports were a huge part part of my life. And my mom, she always would say to me, one day you're going to be a star. And one day you're going to go off to college and you're going to do all these great things. And unfortunately, when I was in ninth grade, my mom and dad both got diagnosed with cancer. So at that time, it really felt like the floor was just like the floor just gave, gave out. And I really didn't know what was in store. I didn't have a lot of extended family. And ultimately, you always want to hope for the best. But then in the back of your mind, you're expecting the worst. And the the back of my mind, those worst case things did happen. Uh, My mom and my dad died within 10 months when I was a junior and a senior. And I found myself basically out in the uh, streets and that stuff. So fortunately, though, I did play sports. I did excel. And my one coach, Pat Albus, was a younger coach. He was probably at that time 23, 24. He basically talked to his mom and his dad, uh, Joan and Paul, and he said, hey, look, man, Jason's having a really tough time here. Do you think that we, we can help him? And they helped me. Uh, they became my legal guardians. And uh, they've been with me ever since. But fortunately, through sports and that stuff, I was able to have a lot of great times by being a great athlete and that stuff. And also sports has helped me get to this point in my life. If it wasn't for sports, I would have never met you. I would have never gotten the schooling and been involved at a great college like, you know, the Berg and that stuff. And uh, so life's been good. So I've been able to turn a lot of bad times into good things. So you came to Muhlenberg, you played football in uh, 97 and 98, and then graduated in 99. And it's maybe just talk a little bit about how, how you wind, wound up at Muhlenberg and, and your experience there. All right. So kind of to backtrack, 
Coach Ortwine, Dick Ortwine was my high school coach. And he had gotten a running back job at the college with Duke. And it was, I think, April, April of my sophomore year because I played at Lackawanna College. And I was looking to transfer and I had a bunch of big schools and it offered me and that stuff. And I really didn't want to go far away from home. At that time, I had a girlfriend and that stuff. We were really serious. So I wanted to kind of stay close, but I didn't really know where. And I was like really holding off on my college choice. So coach calls me and says, hey, look, Jason, I got this new job and I would like you to stop by the school and talk with the head coach and see what you uh, think. And I really never thought about the college. I never really even knew about it, right? Even though I, I was from around the valley and that stuff. But when I got there, coach, he looked at me and was like, Jason, I want to be honest, we stink. And I looked at him like, well, okay, like that's not your typical sales pitch, right? And I'm <laughs> a 20-year-old kid at the time, and I'm looking at him like, okay. And I look back when, when my mom died, right before she died, she talked to Coach, uh, Coach Ortwine, and she said to him, make sure you take care of Jay. And I recall that, and I kind of thought like, this is probably the path that I need to take. So basically that's how I, I got there. I talked with Duke and I looked at him and, and he kind of was like, look, man, let's go. All right. So then you, you went on and you started your sports performance company, F-A-S-S-T. And, and now you're the uh, strength and conditioning coordinator, or actually what's your official title? Director of sports performance? Yeah. Yeah. So that there was kind of a crazy ride too. What basically happened when I graduated, I st- started to uh, train athletes. I worked with actually a man who's also an alum, uh, a man named Ed Ruiz. So he's older than me and, and, and you, Mike, but he was like the man around the Valley for speed training and that stuff. And he worked with a lot of great teams and great athletes. So when I was going into my senior year, he trained me and he said to me, he's like, Jay, I think you would be an exceptional coach. So if you would ever think about going in to coaching, I would love to have you help me. So I always loved training. I loved uh, just like the whole grind of doing all the prep work. And when I graduated, I hooked up with, with Ed and I started training guys with them. And then at that time, I also started to teach. So I started to teach psychology and sports psych. And while I was in school, I majored in psych. So I was pleased that I could use my schooling and apply it. I, I love to teach. And during that time, I coached track and field. And fortunately, I worked with so many studs. And uh, within a few years, I had trained 18 state champions. And uh, just the kids, they really thrived around me and my training. And from there, I started my gym in the basement of my house. So I started out real small. Then I rented out a 300 square foot space at a baseball school. Then I founded a bigger space. And then I left there. And then I, I expanded. And then eventually my gym was the top place around the Valley for uh, sports and that stuff. And I trained so many great athletes, pro athletes, college athletes, uh, some, some guys that have gone off to do some big things. And it basically started in my house. But what happened was I just got to a point where I needed a, a new challenge. So I had gone through a lot of tough times and that stuff. And I was at a point where I was really, uh, I think, really reborn. 
and I wanted to coach college. And that was my goal my entire life. And my wife and I had a long talk and that stuff. And to coach college, you have to go kind of, kind of backwards and you got to start from the ground up. And I had owned my sports performance place uh, for about 17 years at that time. And to coach college, you need college experience. So I basically went, went online. I researched every strength coach at all the major schools. I created this Excel spreadsheet and I emailed probably a hundred guys and guess how many responded? Uh, I'm going to go with zero. There was four. four. So zero, no, that's all right. So think about that. A hundred, a hundred emails and I received four responses. No, asking to volunteer my, my time, right? To leave my family, to leave the state, to have to operate my gym from, you know, wherever I went. Just, you know, basically saying, hey, look, I'm going to lend my skills so I can go to your place and learn without being paid. Jason went on to tell us how he spent time at the University of Alabama and Louisiana Tech while running his gym remotely. He returned home in June 2019 and sold his business on his 43rd birthday. So that was June of last year. And then what what inspired you to write this book, Why Not Me? Uh, that was published uh, it was published last December. What gave you the idea to write this book? So what re- really happened was from the outside, a lot of folks looked at me and they would often comment like, hey, Jay, you did such a good job. You went through so many tough times and you were able to always find a way to win and you always came out on top. And for many years, I was living a lie. Like I was basically walking on one leg. And my one leg, fortunately, was better from a professional standpoint than some folks on on two legs. So I never was really hurting for for money, for like, you know, just gaining opportunity as far as, uh, you know, working and stuff. But I always felt that I was living a lie and that I was a fraud because I was stress hard work and having a positive mindset and doing all these great things, you know, through just work ethic. And I basically at night was going out. I was drinking. I was neglecting my family. I was going to uh, the sands. I'd, I'd gamble. I would take these huge risks, driving drunk and uh, just missing out on just such precious time with my family. And it wasn't me. Like I was running and I never really understood why I was running or who I was running from. But ultimately, I was running from me. Like I was never happy, no matter like if, if I look back to when I, I was a kid, I would say, hey, if I had this, I would feel like that. Or if I bought this, maybe I would feel like this. Or maybe if I achieved this honor right through through sports, you know, I would win awards or I would rush for X amount of yards or I would go to so-and-so college and, and then thrive. Like it was never the feeling that I, I expected. And then I looked at it and – the journey, like I neglected to see like all the people that had helped me and all the good. I just looked at just outcome. Like I was just an outcome goal-based guy and that stuff. So um, my daughter, she was about to turn 12. Uh, this was uh, J- July, July 12, 2017. And I went out, it was the night before. Uh, so it was July 11th and I was at the uh, Sands drinking, 
And in my sick mind, I, I basically always had this number in my head. Like I could take out 2000 bucks. And if I lost it, I would kind of be fine with that because that was the maximum that I could take out of my account. And looking back at it, that's totally absurd. Like who in their right mind would ever say, Hey, I can take out 2000 bucks. And if I lose it, great. If I win, awesome. <laughs> right. So that night I, I, I went out and I would do my same thing. I would go out to eat. And in my mind, I thought since I went through all these hard times and that stuff, and I was able to go out and eat at places like home. If you're from around here, you know, go out to melt to all these high class places. And I would spend a few hundred dollars and I would basically sit there alone. I would eat and drink. And then from there, I would drive out and go play blackjack. So I would have the same thoughts, you know, hey, I'm just going to have something to eat, a few drinks. And then I would get texts from my wife like, hey, are you getting home soon? And I would, you know, text her back and lie to her, say, oh, yeah, I'll be home. But I knew I wasn't going to go home. I knew it. And I just drank more and the more I drank, I would get more texts and then I would get into this rut in my head, like here it goes again. And then I would get to a point where I thought I couldn't return. So I would get in my car, I'd drive out there and, you know, at first I would win some and I'd be up and then I'd go down and it was just a roller co coaster. And, and that night I lost again and I drove home and I, I should, should not have been in my car and, I luckily, I fortunately, I never got in accidents. I never got arrested. I got home and I was just done. I was physically and mentally tired and I was like enough's enough. And I, and I told my wife in uh, the past, like, hey, I'm going to make a change. And I con constantly lied. And I said I would and I would give a half-ass effort. And that day, I, I was like, I'm done. So I haven't had a drink since that day. So it's been almost four years. And I know from coaching, I've met a lot of guys who are awesome guys, just like me. And I could see that they're struggling. And once I quit drinking, like my world just like opened up and I wasn't consumed. My anxiety went down, my stress went down. And the things that I thought were important at that time, I really found out weren't. And the relationships with my wife and my kids are like awesome and I'm really the man that I was meant to be. So I knew that by writing a book that it would really help out a lot of folks. And you don't have to be an athlete. You don't have to be someone that struggles with no alcohol. I mean, it could be just someone that's in AR rut. I mean, anybody that wants to improve, I, I talk about my path down to, to Bama. I talk about going to law tech, but I don't like that necessarily talk directly about them, but I kind of allude to my experiences there. And I just had a lot of time away from my wife and kids at that time to really reflect on my journey. And I went from A to Z. So I, I went from the start, I talked about, you know, growing up and my mindset. And then once I turned the corner, you know, how I, I used that same drive that helped me go to Muhlenberg and excel in sports and, you know, now get my current job. In the preview here that you can see on Amazon where your where your book is available. So A is, you know, awake, attack, advance, achieve. So is there is there something for each letter of the alphabet that yeah. certain catchphrases like that? Okay. Yeah. So so I have to ask you this. What did you do with X? So X X is the <laughs> X factor. 
Okay. Okay. okay so All right. Is the X factor. And again, uh, the X factor is you, is Mike, is Jason. And a lot of folks, and then I, I, I liked it. That's, uh, you know, that's at the end, right? So a lot of folks, they never give themselves enough of credit. They give themselves a lot of times, a lot of blame. Okay. So you either, I guess you're in the boat where you give yourself a lot of blame for maybe your failures. And then sometimes people give them too much credit too, for when things go well. So I know that during my life, I've been at both ends, right? So a lot of times, like I just, I beat myself up. I beat myself up and I basically allowed things that happened to me win twice. And when I learned that the person that really was the X factor was me, it wasn't a place, it wasn't an experience, it wasn't like a snapshot of my life. Like it, it always came down to me. You know, what was I going to put my time towards? What was I going to put my effort towards? What was I going to do to really, you know, make a change? So, right. I, I was wondering what, what, what you did for X, because that's kind of a limited letter. I don't know if, if like playing the xylophone is, uh, is, uh, works into that, but I guess, I guess X. <laughs> no, works. no, yeah, yeah, it's funny. I, I recently saw on, on Facebook, you are, you know, promoting this as a self-help book and, and for people to help get through, you know, what's really been a rough 2020 across the board, you know, and, and the subtitle says a guide for overcoming adversity, addiction, and relentlessly pursuing life, life goals. How would this work for someone who, you know, some of the stuff you just talked about was because of choices you made, you know, whether it was gambling or drinking, you know, there's a lot of people out there this year who, who maybe just are the victim of circumstance. Um, it's not a choice they made. Maybe they're uh, the company they worked for went out of business or someone in their family, you know, passed away or, or, or stuff like that. How, how can this apply to someone where, where maybe it's not, maybe they feel powerless because it's not because of bad choices they've made. It's just because of circumstance. How, how can this book help them? Right. So I, I think that everything's a choice. Okay. So a lot of folks may look back and say, well, the pandemic, it's really not our choice that we have to stay inside, or maybe you have to adapt the way you live, or, um, you know, there's some folks that have lost their jobs and that stuff. And a lot of these things are outside of their, I guess they're con controlling that stuff. But ultimately, you know, you've heard this a thousand times, right? You've heard it through sports and that stuff. And I'm sure through all the years that you've been uh, around, uh, you know, athletes and coaches, but everything we do is a choice. The way you handle adversity is a choice. So someone may look at it and say, well, Jay, you know what? When you were gambling, when you were drinking, like that was your choice. But ultimately, what led me to that, or so I thought, was the experiences that I had as a kid and not being able to really learn to handle those bad things. So basically, uh, when you look at it, the pandemic can be a time for growth. There's a lot of folks that they're coming up with great ideas. They're activating you know, their minds. They're finding ways to win because now they're kind of forced into that death ground. Okay, which I mean by death ground is having your back against the wall because you never really know what you're made of until you face that, right? Because most folks, they go to work, they go to work aimless. They go in, they bitch and moan about what they don't have. And I was part, part of that group, right? I would always look at what I didn't have. And now I look at it, man, I had a great time. I was away for 14 months. I was living in Ruston, Louisiana, which is a little 
speck of earth right down there at the, uh, the Texarkana border there, right? So right down south, man, and I'm a northerner. And I was there isolated for a lot of months away from my wife and kids. And my wife would FaceTime me and she would show the kids playing basketball. And it was brutal, brutal. I mean, brutal. Because at that time, I wasn't drinking, I wasn't gambling, and I had every reason to revert back to that. But instead, I used that time to improve. And during this time, I was able to spend a lot of great time with my wife and kids. We had a, a blast. I, I got to work with them. I got to make up a lot of lost time, a lot of lost time that I chose to uh, miss while I was out drinking, gambling, when I was down south and that stuff. And um, I basically tell them the same thing as I'll tell you and the guys who uh, watch this. You basically, everything we do, we do is a choice. So use this time. Use this time to find out more about your, your yourself and build strength because every like story, right? The great ones start with a tough time. Uh, yeah. And, and just, you know, the last two sentences of your preface, it says embrace changes, struggles, and the triumphs you encounter every day. We only get one life, so better make it a great one. That kind of encapsulates there what you're trying to portray in this book as, as for people who may, may need a little help in improving their lives. Yeah. And, yeah. And plus too, Mike, a lot of times people, they try to tie you down. Okay. And I'm not sure if it's people, but it's probably more so ourselves because you think about life and then you hear things like retiree. You think about midlife. You think about social security, elderly, old folks homes. You hear about all these things where we kind of box in folks. And it's easy to kind of to kind of put yourself into a box and say it's too it's too late. All right. So it could have been easy for me to say, ah, it's too late to change. My kids are getting older. My daughter, she's 12. You know, and then throughout my life, I always would tell my, myself, I'll get to it tomorrow. Even though I was urgent with a lot of things, I put a lot of st stuff off. And the most well, the worst thing that I put put off for years was my sobriety. I put, put it off and I would always say, well, my kids are young. They won't know, right? You know, I still still have time. Once they reach this age, I'll look at it. You know, I'll stop. And basically, if you can make a change, change now. Change right now. And that's what I think that once you decide what you want, once you commit to that, and you're so passionate. I mean, nothing can stop you regardless of age. And I, 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 I think you find the energy, you find the juice, right, when you're passionate. And once you start to see the gains in that stuff, it's like you're like a, a car, man. And, and it's like you got the, your, foot, your foot on the gas and you're just going. And I think that the, the, the further you drive, the further you go, the more results you get. And then when you hit these tough times and then you break through – I think just that just like just reaffirms that you have exactly what you need. So everything that Mike needs and everything that I need is inside of us right now. So it's not like we need any, anything extra. So, I mean, Mike's Mike, Jay's Jay, right? But it's just basically being able to extract that. Right. We've been talking with uh, Jason Brader, his book, Why Not Me? and A to Z memoir and Self-Help Guide for Overcoming Adversity, Addiction, and Relentlessly Pursuing Life Goals. Uh, it's available on Amazon. And uh, where, where else is this available, Jay? 
uh, that, that's it, or, or me. So, yep, so if you're on there, and plus, too, if you do a search and that stuff, you, you can find it. So I'll find guys selling it. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So yeah. I would have never thought a guy like me would ever write a book. But years ago, I would always talk to my wife about this, and I'd say, hey, you know what? One day I'm going to write a book. But I, I, I kind of knew I could, but my story wasn't good enough because I had never overcame the demons. But as soon as I was like, man, I'm, I'm on that path and I feel great, I was like, the time is now. And every day I just wrote a little bit. So I started my book. It was June of 2000, June of 2019. So I wrote it in what? So that was six, six about months. five, six, six months. And then, uh, you know, not, not a new book. Like we said, it came out last December, but, but certainly very timely at the, as we're coming to the end of a, of a year that's been, that's been challenging for a lot of people. Um, so we like to end all of our podcast episodes with a series of getting to know you type questions. So let's just fire these off to you, Jason. What is your favorite quote? So if I think about quotes, like not so much quotes, but I think sayings, like I'm, I'm like more into sayings. The one that always has stood out to me is uh, hard times make strong men, strong men make easy times. Easy times make weak men and weak men make hard times. So basically, uh, if you look, look at this, like when times are hard, like now, hard times make strong men. And then when you become strong, there's easier times, right? So whenever you have a good sports team, right, you have these big, strong guys and they build the team up, right? And then the times are good. But then when the easy times come, it makes folks weaker, right? So that's the one challenge. Whenever you build a championship team, you need to bring in these young guys that don't know what it takes yet. And you need to cultivate, you need to, uh, you know, build these young men up and build them in the stronger men. But ultimately, though, easy times make weak men and the, these weaker men make hard times. So right now, I think it's really a good time to think about that phrase, I guess. And this is a time like where you can build strength. Right. And then after this, then everything that happens after this, then's great. And a lot of times people don't plan for these times. So if you lose a job, it becomes very high stress because people could be uh, you know, vacationing. They could be spending their funds and then they find out they don't have a job. And then they're like, boy, I'm really stuck. So that's why I, I look back on my life and I think about how I was able to remove myself and then go down south and coach and not really receive a check for months but I was able to do that because I basically was able to sow the seed. So I think that's kind of where I think a saying like that really comes into our play. You've been a very public person for, for most of your life. So th this question might not have a good answer, but what is something about you that people would be surprised to learn? Oh boy, something about me that people would be surprised to learn probably is I'm a pretty unsocial guy, I guess like anti-social, right? It might sound nuts because I, I, I love to talk. I love to do podcasts and stuff. I love to share about my life and that. But outside of coaching, outside of uh, playing sports and outside of this stuff, I really don't, like I'm not 
a really out of the house guy. Like I like being inside with my family. I like, like contrary to what I used to do. And I basically like, I spent a lot of time alone. So I think that's what a lot of folks might not know. And then I don't have like a lot of, uh, like a lot of friends. I have a few close friends. So I kind of have like a tiny group of guys that I'm really tight with. If you could sit down for a meal with any person living or past, who would it be? If I could sit down with anyone, um, I would personally, like this might sound like kind of a cliche, but folks would say, you know, maybe like God, or I would like to sit down with, uh, you know, a famous coach. But I like, I, I would really like to sit down with my parents and uh, just kind of see what they think about me and my life and, and just kind of hear what they, uh, what their thoughts on, what their thoughts were on what they had expected of me and then know how they feel I've done. So I think that, you know, I would really like to sit down with my parents. And if I had to pick anyone that's famous, I would really like to sit down with probably Bill Belichick, a guy like that, and just kind of pick his brain. I think he's an awesome coach. I think it's kind of cool to learn from guys like that. So it was neat being down with Nick Saban and like hearing him speak and Coach Holtz and that stuff, uh, you know, knowing that his father was a great Lou Holtz. So it's kind of cool. And then I, I, I like that too. So I think my parents and then probably uh, Coach. So I think, I think the parents' answer was a good one. Last question, Jay, before we let you go. Since, since you've written a book now, you know, after books come, come movies. So if a movie was made about your life, who would you want to play you? This one is an easy one, man. Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg with, with Marky Mark, Marky Mark, man. And he played the gambler and I watched that and I thought about myself. Uh, I'm not, not sure if you've watched that, but like a disaster, a disaster. And I could see him playing me going out and having a party, having the good times and like, just like having those downturns, man. Yeah. So I think that he would be perfect. All right. We'll, uh, we'll have your people get in touch with his people and, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll see right. if we can work that out. So, uh, Jason Brader, thanks again for joining us on the Muhlenberg Mules podcast. Um, this book, uh, you know, again, with the holidays coming up might be a good gift for someone who, uh, who needs a little help in their life. And, uh, thanks for joining us, Jason. Thanks, Mike. It's been uh, great, buddy. Thank you. The Muhlenberg Mules podcast is a production of the Muhlenberg Office of Athletic Communications with Joe Widener, Zoe Keim, and Marty the Mule. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email at mulespodcast at muhlenberg.edu or call our pod line at 484-664-4001 and leave a message. We will answer questions in future episodes. The Muhlenberg Mules podcast is available on Apple and Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review us and recommend us to your friends. For the latest in Muhlenberg College Athletics, please follow us on social media at M-U-H-L underscore S-P-O-R-T-S. Until next week, Go Mules!